everyone. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. Bless Your Boys is your home for Tigers baseball and beyond on the SB Nation platform. I'm your host, Brandon Day, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ashley McClennan. Ashley, how's it going tonight? I'm good, but not as always, Brandon, because you cheated on me yesterday. Yeah, as you, as usual, anyway. But yeah, almost as always. <laughs> yes. Sometimes yeah. you just decide that there are better options out there, and I can't disagree that RJ probably was a better option, so I mean, I'm not going to fight it, but... Yeah. Sometimes we just have to have a nerd fest, you know, and for some reason, like, no one wants to do this on Tuesday night, and yet it works perfectly for both of us, and, like, you can't do any other night, and I kind of can once in a while, like, Monday, but the rest yeah. of the week isn't good, so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm try- just trying to try to pack it with a little little guest star action here and there. No, I like it. Sometimes people don't want to listen to me, so I think that's perfectly fair. Yeah, they probably don't want to listen to me too much either sometimes, but, you know, so it goes. Try to try to break it up a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, we're still hoping that, yeah, you know, we're going to try to get Dan Dickerson in here. And I would like to get... Every, uh, everybody wants to listen to Dan Dickerson. I know. So. How could you not? And then... We had know. a... We had a I'm just going to, like, give insight into our, our Slack, which is our work chat. So basically all the BYB staff have this internal chat. And today we were talking about how great it would be if Dan Dickerson was the manager of the team. Yeah. But that... It would lose something because we wouldn't be able to listen to him. And I'm like, nah, man, mic him up in the dugout. Just play by play right from the dugout. And we had a discussion of how wonderful umpire arguments would be. So that was just a little delightful moment from this afternoon behind the scenes at BYB. Yeah, just seeing Dan just like, you know, lay out like a very, you know, calm, rational argument that was that the umpire just couldn't couldn't handle without screaming at him and stuff would be yeah would be worth, and then like i think we it. suggested jim as the bench coach would be like yeah he can just perfect jump in there in the gene lamont you know role right yeah man i love it kind of like the, it. the hype man in the background yeah dan yeah 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 oh that was a yellow hammer and then goes you know just goes back to chilling out and eating peanuts or whatever yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I'm so in. Yep. So yeah, you know we are gonna try to mix guests in as we go along. Um, you know Rob will be back. Um, once the season starts, we'll probably mix in some of the other staff as well. Um, I would like to give some of those guys a shot to get on here so you can uh, you can hear from them. So we will probably be doing all of those things. Um, we're you know we're kind of in a weird place. Like um, you know as everyone knows and we talked about last week, you know Kurt Menching um, was has basically moved on and is writing for the Athletic and still writing yeah, for the good Detroit. Yeah, that was also his first Athletic post came out just last week. Yep, or this weekend, I guess. Yep, and I don't think any of us had you know too much concern that Kurt was going to be snapped up by no. one or numerous places and that's that seems to be progressing nicely which is just just as well and you know the athletic has turned out to be really good you know i was kind of suspicious at first like uh you know we're gonna pay you know whatever it is per month and you know i'm gonna get you know katie strang and emily walton's coverage both of whom i really like but you know that's all that's two writers like how much content is there going to be but as yeah. it's as it's turned out, like having um, having you know kind of like the full national coverage through the athletic and with Ken Rosenthal there and Eno Saris now, um, it's I've been reading it quite a bit. It's actually become kind of my baseball go to along with Fangraphs. So yeah, well, any- the big joke of the off season was that I think that the athletic and Fangraphs made more off season acquisitions than any baseball team did. Yep. Yep. And it that remains like, true. Yep. It seemed like every couple of days it was like you know, hey, I've been. I've been hired by the athletic. Yeah. 
Well, there's another SBN writer, John, who I don't know who John Becker works for. And I'm so sorry, John. Um, but he's got like a spreadsheet that he keeps updating with like league acquisitions of where <laughs> which athletic writer is going to which place. He's tracking it like an offseason <laughs> beat track. It's so good. Yep. He's got like the um, overall each each region or city like site editor and then like their beat oh, writer. Yeah. Minor yeah, league was... writer, yep, yep, he's got it all laid out and just waiting waiting to fill it all in. Um, and it just seems like, yeah, they, they keep hiring good people, so that works. And then they've, uh, they've also got Jim Bowden, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> sorry, nice. Jim, sorry, Jim Bowden. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so anyway, you know, we're, we are kind of all, we're, you know, we're playing with some new ideas for what we're going to do on the site as well um, with the podcast. And one of those things, um, that we're not going to belabor too much tonight, but we probably could use some listener feedback on is that we've set up a a Patreon page, um, where you can join and subscribe to that and, um, and like donate a little bit per month to us. If you would choose to give us any of your hard-earned money, even just a little bit. And we're just trying to figure out what, um, like what we're going to do as far as rewards for doing so. Um, you know, I think, in general, we're all kind of opposed to the idea of having like special content um, that can only be accessed if you're an insider or one of those things. Um, I really hate I really hate when sites do that. You know, it's e- like either be a pay site or not a pay site. But don't yeah. don't toy with me. Um, so I don't. So we're not going to be doing that. Um, but we are kind of trying to figure out a way to um, just just sort of make make this a little bit more worthwhile for ourselves because we do spend an inordinate amount of time um, working on the site and we love it. But um, we're also not really uh, taking home much out of it, and so <laughs> we're just kind of we're just kind of experimenting with um, with some ways to possibly, yeah, get ourselves a little bit of funding. Because um, I do, you know, I, I've got things I want to do this summer as far as like going to Erie, going out to West Michigan. Um, you know, some some of these things we do spend a decent amount of our own um, money to to do and to cover the sport. So yeah, we're just trying to figure out, you know, what kind of rewards we could possibly offer, what um, what listeners of the podcast and regular readers of the site might be interested in um, as far as rewards for donating donating at various levels or supporting us through Patreon at various levels. Um, yeah, like, I don't think we're going to have any huge – we're not talking like $50 a month. We're thinking oh, yeah. like what would what would you want to see for a dollar a month or $5 a month or like 10 max? Like what kind of content – specific to a patreon would you want generated we we kind of floated the idea of doing like a members only podcast but then brandon and i have to record two podcasts a week and nobody wants that because then neither neither podcast (laughs) is as good as it could be so you know we would just like what would you want to see from those specific levels and if you can give us feedback on that that would be aces yep so yeah we're you know we're just floating that out there you can go over the pages at um you know it's at www.com patreon or patreon.com backslash bless you boys um the page is there if you don't even have any thoughts and just want to want to chip in a little bit um that would be great we you know we've i don't know i've kind of been trying to do this myself um you know media is in a tough place in this country right now um you know there's a lot of sites that have closed and the big, you know, the major media sites more and more are owned by giant conglomerates. And it's just, um, it, it's a hard time to be independent and, and be able to kind of do it and, and survive on it in any way. Um, obviously, we all work elsewhere and have other jobs and et cetera. But um, yeah, it's just, just trying to find a way to sort of, hmm, what's the word? Butter our bread a little bit. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah. Neither of us want to sit here and be like, give us money. But also that's exactly what this is. Yeah. Um, but it's it's hard to put out content for, for pennies. So <laughs> give us some of your dollars. Yep. If, uh, just, you know. Just small ones. Exactly. Just a little bit. I mean, if, if everybody who reads the site every day gave us like a dollar a month, like we'd be in being more than more than fine shape um i don't expect that to happen and we do this because we love it and if it doesn't turn out to to really generate much of anything that's fine too um we're just gonna yeah, throw it's it not out like there we're gonna stop doing it so <laughs> exactly we're not gonna hold a telethon um, on a weekly basis we'll just mention it at the beginning of the podcast and move out of the way with it so but any feedback on that um from from readership and podcast listeners would be great so feel free to comment um on the on the site on the page when this uh, when this post is up um, you can also, um, the interview I did yesterday with RJ Anderson of CBS Sports is up on the website right now too, so you can check that one out. Um, if you comment on that post, that's quite all right as well. We'll see it there too. And so yeah, we'll just throw that out there and um, kind of float it and we'll see where it progresses from here. So, spring training, here we are. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's been good. Um you know, it's, it's going just, quickly. Like it's motoring. I know we're almost at the the point in spring training where you can actually watch a lot of the games, which would be yeah, nice. Where you might even know some of the players that are playing in the eighth inning. Yep, yep. You know, we're, we're starting to see you know like the the cuts. You know, Dawel Lugo got reassigned to the minor league camp as expected. Um, some of these minor league relievers that we picked up are probably going to going to start kind of getting winnowed down. Um, I imagine Sergio Alcantara is is not long for Major League camp, so we'll start to see um, some of this sort out. The Tigers, you know, have have continued to kind of play okay and like pitch reasonably well, except for a few notable exceptions. Um, but yeah, nobody there hasn't really been a standout offensive performance either, so there hasn't been a whole lot to to get too stoked about. Um, and obviously, getting too stoked about anything in spring training um, doesn't really help you. So. Yeah. Yeah, but um, as far as, like, the, the one I noticed today, you know, Ryan Carpenter, um, who the Tigers signed, I believe, to a major league contract, although he's um, he's really never appeared in the major leagues and is 27, but he was a um, he was a guy that the Cato system, which projects based on uh, minor league numbers, how well a guy and how valuable a guy might be in the major leagues. Really, is that how you pronounce that? Um, that's just how we say it. I don't even know. I mean, it's an acronym yeah. for some damn I thing. I know. For some reason <laughs> in my head, it was always the Katoa system, which isn't even how it's spelt. Yeah, yeah, Kato, Kato system. Kato, you know, it makes way more sense the way you say it. But yeah, Katoa. It's like how I pronounced Dunedin wrong for the longest time. Oh, did you pronounce it Dunedin? No, it was like yeah, like Dunedin. Like it was like friggin' like Lord of the Rings. Not not even like it was like, um, what's that magical disappearing city in the Scottish musical? Um, oh Lord, I know this is a real thing. I'm not making it up. Uh, Brigadoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> it was like Dunedin. It was like a magical baseball Brigadoon land. And yeah, and then somebody on a broadcast was like, oh, we're off to Dunedin today. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I never had a conversation out loud with somebody about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I would have really botched this. Yeah, yeah, well done. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, well, we'll get to, we'll get to gyro labort later because <laughs> i still don't know if i'm pronouncing that right so it's probably just as well as he's gone but uh, oh, I, I did want to mention as well as uh, ryan carpenter like uh, my guy johnny barbato has has got off to a good start he's got three and two-thirds innings um no runs allowed only one hit um not a lot of strikeouts either he's just kind of been getting ground balls which is sort of what he does um shane green's looked really good he's been striking out people left and right so far so 
some of these guys are, you know, are off to a good start. Um, Eduardo Jimenez, who I believe was our number 30 BYB prospect um, on our rankings so far this spring, has um, had a nice nice campaign. He's still real young, um, but you might end up seeing him by year's end the way, you know, guys like Joe Jimenez and um, Zach Reiniger jumped levels last year. So Eduardo, yeah. Eduardo Jimenez might be a guy to, to keep an eye on. Man, I was really into uh, Jake Rogers in, what was it, Monday's game? Yeah. He was great. Yep. He is like, I, I honestly could not have cared less because he's what, like, he's like a minor, minor league catching prospect. Yeah, who, still like, double it, A, he, yeah. You know, he's projected to do well going forward, but you're not expecting to see much from him for another couple years at least, right? Man, he was great. Like, we posted a video of him doing this insane, like, stolen base throwout. But for me, it was, like, the minor stuff that he was doing really well. Like, his base running was so, like, I said this in a chat, and I'm like, I hate those phrases, like, heads-up base running and those really <laughs> cheesy, like, you know, things that you hear coming out of a booth. Oh, that's some, you know, heads-up play. But, like, he was watching that ball, and every time there was even the hint of an overthrow, he was gone and ended up, you know, getting two bags out of it. And it was really nice to watch that kind of, like, attention being paid, even in a spring training game. So I'm I'm pretty hyped about him. Yeah, yeah, and I've, I've already been really excited about him. Like, I, you know, I do kind of think if, if the bat can come along, he could end up kind of being, like, the rock that the next good Tigers team is built on. Yeah. Um, just excellent defense, yeah, and like you said, just, like, really good baseball awareness um kind of always got his head in the game um it's just a question of you know if he if he doesn't you know hit much better than he is now then maybe he's kind of more of a backup although we've had you know james mccann who doesn't hit a whole lot um the past couple years and james you know jake rogers is a far better defender i think we're gonna see that um we've already seen a few little signs of it but um yeah if he can uh, if he can come along a little bit with the bat he's gonna be great so yeah it's been and it's just nice to get a look at some of these guys yeah, I'm. I'm, and like you said, we're getting closer now to uh, to everything being televised, which is well. I mean, we're closer. We had so few games on TV. Um, we got spoiled having that first Yankees game aired, and now it's been like one a week. Yeah. So as we move towards, I think we get to see like televised like six Braves games coming <laughs> up. So I sure hope you like the Braves. Um, but uh, yeah, it should be fun to actually get to watch some of these guys and what they can do because you can you can get some of it with a radio broadcast. But I think being able to actually see the skills, it, it's and you're, it's tough too for me because I can't listen to the radio at work. I should not be talking about doing these things at work. <laughs> um, but I can't listen to the radio, but I can watch a game on mute. Um, so it's tough because I also rely on a lot of the beat guys to update things as to what's going on in case I miss it. And they're so bored by this being spring training that they'll only update if somebody hits a home run or somebody does something incredible. And I'm like, no, I want to know what just happened with that double play. Or like, I want to know who that person that's hit that great hit was, even if it was just a double, like I want to know what's going on because I don't recognize these guys off just by their faces. Right. So I don't know. I'm really excited to have have baseball back. I know because it, it's like you know, could someone please like live tweet this thing from the stadium? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I am I am interested definitely, and yeah, it's like a combination of kind of following on game day. Um, you know, I'll listen you know to what I can, and some of these guys I know because I you know I saw them last year or I watched them you know plenty. I've watched all their video and whatever, but I've you know watched a few games last year. But some of the newer guys like Rogers, we haven't really seen very much at all. Um, I haven't gotten to see Franklin Perez and we won't 
probably see him this spring. But but yeah, kind of getting a look at some of those guys has been pretty cool. So yeah, Sergio Alcantara um, has kind of showed off his defense a few times. We've gotten to see that. Seeing Mike Gerber play some pretty nice center field um, for a lot of the people who are you know kind of long term doubters of uh, of Mike Gerber's ability to play center field. You know, he's kind of showing uh, showing some things here. The instincts, you know, kind of make up for the fact that he's not exactly a burner out there, and he's he's looked pretty capable of handling himself at least, you know, part time if not um, if not being a regular kind of everyday center fielder. So, yeah, it's been nice to get a look at some of those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And there haven't been a whole lot of moves. Um, the one move that that really irritated everyone um, and has kind of generated just kind of an unending amount of comments on the website is the DFA of Jairo Labort, who was then picked up by the Reds. And then the Reds tried to take him and outright him to the minor leagues. And because he was on waivers again, the Oakland A's picked him up and dumped Brandon Moss. Um, so he kind of, uh, he kind of bounced around. No one is happy about this because Jairo Labort has, you know, like a, he's a very risky prospect, but he's a guy who has a lot of upside. And he's also a left-handed reliever who made it to the major leagues last year and had, you know, kind of a breakout season for himself. So that, you know, has been really frustrating to everyone. But um, without belaboring that, it, the, the thing that's kind of left is that, you know, Travis Wood went down with, a, you know, a very unfortunate knee injury that's ended his season, and the Tigers released him today. And so we're kind of down in terms of left-handers um, in the bullpen to Daniel Stump um, and, you know, maybe Francisco Liriano, although, you know, there are kind of some indications he might end up starting or at least that they're they're not they're not ruling that out um Blaine Hardy's had a shoulder issue um you know they dropped Laborte for reasons that still are somewhat explicable to everyone yeah. and we're gonna need a left-handed reliever and I don't know if maybe Ryan Carpenter is maybe a guy they could use that way but it seems like he's the guy that they'll want in Toledo coming up for spot starts along with Buck Farmer so yeah so it's kind of I don't know what they're doing here and, you know, something RJ and I talked about a lot last year was that there's still all these guys who aren't signed. And, you know, this time of year, there's always turnover. You know, teams, you know, start making their final cuts. They start kind of finalizing things with their roster. Um, guys get injured. But this year, you also have the added factor that there's still, you know, a lot of, you know, pretty solid veteran free agent players out there who can help a team, um, as well as a couple high-end guys like Jake Arrieta, who's, you know, still, I don't know, just just chilling, I guess, with Mike Moustakas. Maybe they're hanging out together. Playing cards, Maybe. <laughs> just just shooting bull and yeah, waiting for something to happen. But um, you know, the next couple weeks could could be fast and furious. It's just really hard to know if the Tigers, you know, are even you know kind of that engaged at this point, or if they're kind of set you know with what they've got and just going to roll with it. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious. Like I I would love to see them just you know spend a little, maybe pick up somebody that's a bit out of their league, so to speak, for the season. Somebody you know you're going to be able to flip in July, just to have a competitive pen now mm-hmm. would be really, really nice. nice. Yep, Greg Holland's still sitting out there. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, he's still available. I mean, uh, you know, one of the the better relievers in the game last year. Maybe not quite the same guy he was before Tommy John surgery, but um, pretty close and pitching in Colorado, which is not easy. Had a good year. I will have you know I wrote an article about why the Tigers should sign Greg Holland last year. Yeah, and they probably should have signed Greg Holland. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I suggested that he should be signed as a reliever, too. Yep. Yeah, and, Uh, you know, he's he's still waiting out there. And you kind of look at the the way things are are going right now, and I'm not sure that, that the Tigers 
you know, and I don't blame them necessarily for this because no one really saw this coming, but maybe didn't read the market too well. And, you know, I don't know if they couldn't do a lot better than Mike Fares right now for basically the same money. Um, maybe Liriano as well. You know, they that might have been a little bit premature too because there's still some some decent arms available out there. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if um, the Tigers have it in them to, to make any moves, but, you know, they could they could pretty easily upgrade this team right now for not very much money um, in a couple ways. You know, there's still solid, you know, veteran middle infielders out there. Um, I don't know if any of this is worth doing because I don't know if any of those guys would ever be worth anything in trade because that's the other part of it is that um, no one is paying much in prospects either. So, yeah, it's just been, um, it's, you know, it, the oddity of this, this offseason has just, you know, just rolled on and, and we're not done yet. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a weird offseason. Like, I still can't get over how, I mean, it's so weird to me, the guys that still aren't signed, like your Lance Lynn's, your Alex Cobbs, your Jake Arrieta's. Like, these are guys that we thought when that dam burst and, like, that you Darvish went and then those guys would just go, 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 right? Like, and you're right. Now it does feel kind of stupid for us to have signed Mike Fears as soon as we did because, like, uh, and none of these guys want to go for a one-year contract, but I feel like ultimately a couple of them might. Like, we might hit April and these guys are like, well, I'd rather not sit out a whole season and sign a one-year deal just to test their luck again in free agency next year. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, you know, kind of what, what the best move for someone like Jake Arrieta is right now. Um, if he's not getting the offers he wants, I don't know if someone, you know, I assume someone has tried to do this and swoop in and offer him, you know, two years at $30 million Yeah. And see if he'll just kind of, you know, kind of snatch that up with maybe some do incentives. You, do you think maybe the worry there is that he he may, he worries he's going to undervalue himself? Like, oh, well, Arietta signed for a $15 million one-year deal here why would we bother signing him for a six-year deal? You know, like I, there's so much psychology that goes into it. And part of me wonders if how much of it is the agents going, no, 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 don't shortchange yourself. Like, I know, I know you want to play, but if we just wait it out, then that six-year deal will come. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there is a point there that if you kind of, if, if, you accept a one-year deal now, you might be stuck having to accept one-year deals, you know, for a long time to come because you're giving away another another year as you get older. And yeah, I'm just not sure how that's um, how that's going to play. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I had thoughts all off season, and at this point, I just I'm really just kind of baffled. I'm, I really don't don't have any way of of kind of gauging what's going to happen, you know, or whether or not some of these guys are going to wait till the season. Um, you know, you're looking at a, a market in which Mike Mustakis might end up having to take like a, I don't know, like a three year, you know, $40 million deal or something like that. Cause no one wants them. And this is a guy no, who I know. 40 it's plus so... home runs last year and plays plus defense at third base. It's, it's, it's strange. Absolute insanity. Yep. So, you know, it's, I, I guess one thing about it is that, you know, these, most of these things aren't the Tigers problem at this point. Um, we're, we're not relevant and, you know, we're just going to kind of deal with that. Um, one move that the Tigers uh, made this week, or it may, I shouldn't call it a move, but Daniel Norris um, yesterday pitched out of the bullpen um, in the eighth inning, despite you know there being talk before the game that he would kind of get his usual two or three innings um, at some point in middle relief, and that has kind of freaked everyone out. Um, do you think the Tigers are really thinking to themselves that they're going to move Daniel Norris to the bullpen, or is this was that just kind of a you know? We don't want to push him. He just, you know, he just came back from giving him a couple, you know, a week off or something like that, a couple days off. I think um, 
I think it's more about building that confidence again. I think give him an inning, a late inning where, you know, he can handle it. I mean, they, the first pitcher, the first hitter he faced was fucking Tim Tebow. So, I mean, that could go either either way, way. right? Like Mm -hmm. you want it to be that he goes in, decimates Tebow and is like, yeah, okay, I got it. I got my stuff. And he's only in for a short while. So he's not worried about maybe throwing full gas. He's, you know, a bit more patient, taking his time a bit more. Um, and it could go terribly wrong if you accidentally like give up a home run to Tim Tebow and then you're crushed. Like everyone's like, Oh, Norris, what are we doing here? Obviously it went very well. And and I think it was all good signs. And I think that's probably what Bazio is betting on is that he uses him maybe a little less in starter positions just for these next little bit like starts in, in spring training and then moves him slowly back up to those roles. Um, I don't think it's a long-term choice to keep him in a in a relief role. I, I hope, hope not. not. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other part of me, like the, the like. <laughs> but you know, what if I'm I'm so bad at this? Like I always like debate either side of things. I'm like, you know, Shane Green really struggled as a starter for a while, and then moved into a relief role and did really well. And I don't want to see Norris long-term in a relief role. But if going into the bullpen for a bit of the season helps his helps his, you know, him figure out his mechanics and it takes a bit of that stress and the the expectation off of him, because I think so many people for so long have been like Norris, next great thing, next great thing. And I think you can only hear that so much before it does start getting to you that maybe he does need to just build up that confidence a little and also work himself less. Yeah, like, like over a shorter short. time period and then come back in 2019 or even later this season and be like, shit, I'm super ready for this starter position. Yeah, you just never know because, um, it, you know, when you move a guy to relief, you don't know if you're actually, you know, kind of taking it easier on him or not because, you know, you can be called on, you know, multiple days in a row. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard gig. And I, I really, and the other thing about that too is you can't, the problem with being a reliever and moving to Daniel, moving Daniel to relief is that he can't work on his stuff. You know, you don't have you yeah. know, five days with side sessions in between to kind of continue to kind of build. So, um, you know, I, I have some faith in, in Chris Basio and probably what he decides. Um, Chris Basio knows more about pitching than I ever will. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to have some faith in that, but it really, it would really bother me if they, if they started, you know, kind of tinkering with Daniel Norris this way. Um, you know, they altered his mechanics a little bit. Um, he looks better to me. He's throwing a little bit more downhill. Um, he's got kind of a softer front leg and isn't kind of, he doesn't look so like Hunter Pence-ish. You know, he's such a, like a tense, like, you know, quick twitch muscle guy for a pitcher. Um, such kind of an athlete of that type that um, he's always kind of looked a little bit, a little bit stiff and it's hurt his delivery. And he does look better. I like what they've done with him. Um, I hope that they kind of just get out of his way, let him go back to being a starter and, and just kind of let it happen because, you know, Daniel Norris should be a priority. So there shouldn't be any, you know, kind of concerns about, well, you know, we had to get innings for this guy or that guy. Like everybody else can, you know, pardon my French, but can go fuck themselves. Basically <laughs> Daniel Norris is important. Matt Boyd is important. Michael Fulmer yeah. is important, you know, and the rest of these guys, you know, you, you pitch when you're called on. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't want to jump on that and kind of and kind of start screaming that the sky is falling because it was just one outing. So we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, that was definitely interesting to see him come out late in that game and just throw, you know, one inning and just kind of you know blow through kind of the back end of the a, a pretty feeble Mets lineup anyway, 
And, yeah. you know, and that's his work for a couple of days. You know, I hope they don't wait five more days to get him back out there. But, um, you know, if he's still dealing with a little bit of the soreness and stuff, uh, you know, maybe that's maybe that's just part of it, too. And we're probably not going to find out unless it's something major. So I'm no, I, unless there's an actual long term problem, they're never going to tell anybody. And that's fine. Like, I don't need the second you're like, oh, it was a little tight. Uh, you know, the sky is falling. So unless this guy is actually following, I have no interest in hearing about it. Yeah, I'd rather not hear anything about him because uh, that usually means things are fine. So, exactly. yep. So there hasn't been a whole lot else, you know, kind of out of the out of the Tigers news. You know, the Whitecaps released their hideous food options and um, our buddy John Marlette, who writes for the site, um, rather hilariously when he sets his mind to it, uh, wrote a, a quick thing about the bizarre bounce house that, that they have down in Lakeland. Um, oh, and that was that was pretty great. But um, there hasn't, yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot else to, to say. Um, you know, a few guys have, have done well. Victor Martinez seems to be swinging the bat pretty well so far. Nick Castellanos is, you know, looking like a guy who's about to break out and be a, a monster. But, um, you know, it's early spring training. So, We'll just kind of have to see how that goes. Um, that is my buddy Mark Garage absolutely blowing me up on Twitter. <laughs> my phone needs to go away. Probably. So- I'm like, am I, is this like some sort of stroke sign? <laughs> I'm hearing phantom beeps. <laughs> like, Something is pinging in my Hi, ear. Mark, because I know you'll listen afterwards. Yep, he will. Yep. <laughs> Probably there's an article I have to read. Um, he's very good about getting getting us oh, all those yeah. articles to read. So, yeah, you know, we, we you know we've had a little bit of fun. We've seen Jake Rogers. We've seen Mark Gerber make some nice plays, but there hasn't been a whole lot um, else to say. So let's move on to some former Tigers because two different guys um, had some really interesting things to say over the last week, and I kind of wanted to break break those down a little bit. And let's start with Justin Verlander, who. You know, has has kind of you know has been one of the most prominent guys over the past you know year in terms of you know talking about the fact that the ball is is flying much farther um, and that the league isn't isn't kind of coming out and and being straight about whatever's going on, and he dropped like a real gem of a tweet last oh, week. Oh, so good! Yeah, that actually had like all the charts with the 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 data showing that um, you know pitches hit with the same velocity and the same launch angle four years ago, weren't flying out of the park, are flying out of the park now. And it's not that, you know, guys are hitting the ball harder or they're hitting the ball in the air more often. Um, The same contact is producing different results and it only ties to the ball. Um, And that kind of goes to some of the research that's been done about, um, you know, the core analysis that someone did some CT scans. I think it was at ESPN had some research yeah, done. It, they all looked the same. <laughs> yeah, I did. I couldn't tell by looking. I was like, uh, like <laughs> I think he has cancer, but I'm not sure. I can't read a CT scan of anything. So <laughs> baseball, I'm just like, yes, I'm a doctor. Those all look like baseball. <laughs> yeah, I can see where that extra half ounce isn't in there. But yeah, supposedly those balls are are less. The new balls are you know a little. I believe denser was was the, or maybe they're less dense, but they're lighter. Um, and and that's you know producing a little bit more flight. But I thought that was interesting, and I think it's interesting that Justin Verlander has kind of continued to hammer about this. Like, this yeah, is he's not running down. Yeah, and this is spring training. You know when he's like dialing into you know savage mode and isn't usually distracted by these kind of things, but he's been much more effusive this year in, in a lot of things in terms of like talking about, you know, the Astros staff and kind of being their leader and, you know, taking on the Yankees, as, you know, verbally like, Hey, you know, you got to go through us. Um, it's been interesting to see. Um, he's a married man now, you know, I, I guess he feels established. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yep. Um, and you know, we, we just don't know what's going on with the baseballs. Pretty obviously um, something has changed. And as Verlander pointed out, you know, there's, 
everyone's playing with the same set of baseballs, so it's not like there's a, a particular disadvantage. But um, it is interesting to think about guys like Mike Pelfrey, um, who you know basically got by for years by not giving up home runs and getting ground balls and never had the yeah. strikeouts. And it, it's just becoming harder and harder for a guy like that to survive. And we've even seen like Anibal Sanchez, who still strike out plenty of batters, um, you know, just cannot keep the ball in the park anymore. And yeah, his career and- maybe has ended sooner than it would have years ago. Yeah, it was a huge issue for him. Like he, his command was okay, but it was those home runs that really killed him on the Tigers. Like it was almost a joke how many home runs he was giving up. And and so you're right. There's, it's not nothing. Even though the ball is the same for everyone, it's definitely having an impact on guys who who had a different type of pitch, right? Yeah. Yep, and it's going all the way down. You know, and the thing is, it goes all the way down into the minor leagues now because when teams are you know, evaluating minor league players. Like, you know, if a guy has some power, well, that's nice, but everybody has power now. And, and that valuation, you know, that, that teams used to look at a guy like, oh, you know, we think that guy's going to have, you know, 20, 25 home run power. And that was, it was like, you know, okay, that guy's got legitimate power. And now that's like, you know, oh, well, yeah, he's, he's an average, you know, power guy. And, you know, what, what about the rest of him? You know, can he play defense? Is he fast? You know, what's his hit tool like? Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's just, it's just a strange thing that, that this can happen. And that it's going to, you know, the, the shakedown is going to go all the way through the minor leagues. It's going to go all the way through, you know, like the, the, you know, the Latin American teenagers at various academies. Like all these, all these people are affected by this because what's valued in the game right now is very different than what was valued even just five years ago. And we don't know two or three years from now when, you know, whatever the, you know, they change ball formula and, uh, and well, all of and a sudden, like, things change and, you know, a completely different set of players is suddenly, you know, taken off again. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. To that's, and that's what I have to think is that you've got these young guys coming up as prospects now. And you have to wonder if they do change the ball again. They're already making adjustments for that new ball, right? Like, that's how they're learning. They're like, okay, well, this leads to home runs. So I've got to adjust for this. Got to so drive the ball happens? in the air, yeah. What happens in five years? And they're like, oh, well, they've kind of adjusted here. So let's switch back. Then suddenly you're going to have these guys that are like, you know, Cy Young contention pitchers who are like, oh, I don't know how to do my job anymore. Because, you know, and I don't mean that to say that they're they don't literally don't know how to do their jobs. It's just that, like, you adjust for the tools that you're given. And it's not a small thing to change that, even if you do change it across the board. So, yeah, you know, you've got all these guys who, you know, basically anyone who doesn't strike out a lot of guys and and limit walks isn't valuable anymore because everybody's given up home runs. But um, yeah, if if the home runs start to fall, then a guy who doesn't get as many strikeouts but keeps the ball on the ground is suddenly more valuable again. Um, It just, you know, it just has so many ramifications. There was a good article on Fangraphs a couple weeks ago about how the amount of plays and chances that a shortstop, a second baseman, and a center fielder have nowadays have, have fallen quite a bit over the past couple of years because hard-hit balls are just leaving the park, and there's more strikeouts and walks than there than there have been before. So there's yeah. just less balls in play, and it's odd. You know, teams are seemingly valuing defense a lot. Like, all we, you know, all we heard all offseason was, oh, J.D. Martinez, defense is such a liability, like blah, blah, blah. But um, maybe not. Maybe they're just, you know, maybe it's a, it should be considered less of a factor than it used to be because guys just aren't putting the ball in play um, and 
boy, these are these are weird realities for all these, you know, teams, front offices, you know, and everybody else to, to kind of have to yeah, confront. And it's such a small seeming thing, but it does fundamentally change baseball in a way. Like you're, like you said, on every level, like we're seeing more home runs, but that's not the only thing. We're seeing also more pitching injuries because from my understanding, I think they have to grip the ball harder yeah. to get the same feel for the stitches. So we're seeing guys that never got blisters before, like Marcus Stroman, showing up with blisters. And it's it's creating this weird ripple effect, like where if the entire idea was to introduce this ball because they knew they'd get more home runs, say, that it is affecting things like those defensive plays and it's affecting player like pitcher health. And it's so it, it is interesting to see how it's changing the game long term. And like I said, it changes too how younger guys are going to learn how to pitch for that equipment so it's it's kind of fascinating and i don't necessarily think in a in a good way but also it's it's just interesting yeah i mean you know if you if you really really like home runs and it seems like people do i mean i like home runs but that's not you know the the only thing i like or 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 even the primary thing then this is a good time but um you know, if you like to see stolen bases, this is a god-awful time to be a baseball fan because, you know, no one wants to get thrown out in the base pass because, you know, anybody coming up behind you is capable of crunching a home run. Um, so you're not getting to run even if you are fast. Um, you don't see the elaborate deliveries um, that pitchers, you know, had, you know, say pre-mid-90s. Um, you know, you go back to the 80s, everyone has a funky delivery. Now everyone's quick to the plate. The mm-hmm. catcher, catchers are all timed. We know what their pop times are. Um, it's all just kind of, you know, the science of it has kind of kind of crushed the stolen base out of um, existence to a large extent. There's, you know, there's maybe 10 guys who are still real big stolen base guys. And um, and to tie this all the way back to when we started do- talking about Dan Dickerson, um, the thing he was he was on about today was the fact that, you know, Leonis Martin just should not be a leadoff hitter, um, which immediately, you know, had us all voting for him as as manager. But, um, you know, the, the, the old school guy like Gardy, you know, thinks like, you know, I'd really like it if Leonis Martin can get on base more because he'll steal bags and he'll be fast. Yeah, and... but he's never been good at getting on base. Yep. Like, there's just no historical precedence there to believe that that's something he'll be capable of. And it drives me nuts that a guy like Matuk hasn't even been tried in, a, in the leadoff. Yeah. Like, at all this spring. It's been either Machado or Martin the entire time. Yep. Like if, if we want to try M labeled guys, let's give Mikey a shot there because I think that that could be a better opportunity to at least get somebody on first base. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if, if he'll do better, but the thing, you know, it's just one of those things where we already know who Leonis Martin is, you know, he's, he's yeah. 30 years old. Um, you know, that the thing that he has is wheels and, and even putting him in the leadoff spot, it just doesn't, you know, for the same reasons I was just talking about, it doesn't work the same way because, you know, even when he does get on base, you know, he's he's less likely to steal because, you know, if he steals second, maybe they walk, you know, Miguel Cabrera, you know, a batter later. Um, so, I don't know, we're going to see how that plays out, but it, it is just really weird to see the whole complexion of the game change this quickly, you know, like the All-Star break 2015 all of a sudden, just, you know, storm of dingers and it, it just kind of keeps coming. So we'll see if that, you know, we'll see if that continues this year. It'd be it'd be even weirder, really, if all of a sudden home runs just went back down to normal. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what ripple effect that would have on, on who's so good strange. and who's bad. Yeah. yeah. 
I feel confident Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and J.D. Martinez are still going to hit you 40 home runs, no problem. But yeah. <laughs> a, lot of these, a lot of these fringy guys who are kind of lobbing them over the walls and pulling them down the lines, uh, you might suddenly find themselves back in the minor leagues because they strike out too much. Uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's just, there's only so much we can predict, right? Like it's, nobody would have predicted that this season would have, last season would have gone the way it did home run wise. So, I mean, it's, you, you can't guess because it's just going to go the exact opposite way. Yep. Yep. Anything could happen. So, and then the the second Tiger or former Tiger who kind of made some news was um, Justin Upton gave a really, really revealing interview, I thought, to uh, Pedro Mora of um, the Athletic L.A., and he, he talked at great length kind of about the, the way free agency has changed and the way teams um, approach players, talk about players, court players, has really has really kind of changed for the worse in his view over the past few years. And, you know, it was just really revealing. I mean, he had some absolutely kind of dagger quotes in there where he talked a lot about how teams used to court you, you know, and like if they if they wanted to sign you, they would fly you out, you know, and have your name up in the stadium and, you know, a, a jersey and a locker kind of set up with a number just so that you could kind of, you know, kind of mentally place yourself there. Um, and there was, you know, there was a real desire to like convince you that, you know, we're, we're the place for you. And this is, you know, this is a place where you're going to feel comfortable. We're going to win. You're going to, you know, be a valued part of that. And nowadays, you know, the, the way he described it, you know, teams kind of call your manager up and are just sort of, or your um, agent up and are just sort of like, you know, I mean, we're kind of interested, you know, in, in Justin to use him as an example, but, um, you know, we're not so convinced about his defense and, you know, he's a little bit older, you know, we don't really know what we want to pay. Um, you know, what do you guys, you know, where are you guys kind of at right now? And, he, you know, and it just didn't ever, didn't ever used to be that way. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really interesting. It's got to be a stark contrast to if you look at like teams falling all over themselves to to woo Shohei Otani over the offseason, like putting together media kits and, you know, pitching the cities. And and I think it's a really stark comparison if you look at how these other free agents have just been sitting there like there's no. Hey man, we're only going to offer this much, but here's what, you know, what the Dodgers have to offer in terms of, you know, lifestyle and what we do to show our players that we care and like what we'll offer in that team atmosphere. And here's what some of our guys have to say. And like, you're right that like wooing is very different and it, it's especially weird to see it in contrast when they're not doing it for guys that have been in the league for years and years and years, but they'll put thousands and thousands of dollars into creating these videos to lure mm-hmm. in this Japanese star that is not a proven MLB talent. Yeah. Yeah. And the kind of disrespect that shows for guys who, you know, sort of paid their dues a little bit more. Um, this is a direct quote. And I, I, I thought this was just like a hilarious way to put it. But um, Justin Upton said, hey, you, you know, you're not a person anymore. You're just a player. There's no piece of paper with do you love me, yes or no written on it being slid your way anymore. It's like, I'm going to prom if you're going. <laughs> which is, yeah. which is you know, kind of how things are in the, the dating realm, um, I'm led to believe, with the younger crowd. That's cute. But, um, I like that. I'm going, if you're going, you can come. Like, <laughs> just jump on. Yep. You know, I'm going to, I might go. And, yeah, you know, if you loser, happen to be there. Get in the World Series. Yep, exactly. And, you know, it was only two or three years ago that, um, you know, I remember the Cubs just making this, you know, this huge push for John Lester, you know, talking, you know, having like, you know, I guess John Lester, John Lester is kind of a wine collector 
And so they had like him and his wife out and like, you know, showing him fancy bottles of wine and, you know, kind of had like a tasting session and then had this hour long, you know, kind of movie about the Cubs and, you know, and how he would fit in there. And just, you know, and talking about like, I believe like his son's medical condition and how, you know, the facilities in Chicago were prepared to to help them with that in in case of any city, you know, all this stuff, you know, just, you know, making a really hard push that, you know, we want you, we want you real bad to sign with us. And um, I'm pretty sure you, Darvish, did not not get that treatment. And I don't see Jake Arrieta getting any kind of treatment like that this offseason either. It's like, eh, we don't really want to pay you. And if, you know, if everyone just kind of leaves you lying around there, yeah, maybe we'll offer you something at the end. So bizarre. Yep. Yep, things have, have, have kind of gone in a bad way. You know, we t- we already kind of beat up on the Rays, um, not the Rays themselves, but Rays o- <laughs> Rays ownership at least. And um, yeah, yeah. R- RJ and I kind of took the the Pirates to task last night too. And it, you know, it's just you watch them trade Garrett Cole, um, a, a very you know durable, good young starter with a couple years of control left, for you know, guys that we would describe as, you know, basically 4A players, you know, like maybe Moran is a little bit more than that. Um, it's it's possible, but, you know, the, the Pirates payroll is like, you know, I don't even know, but I think it's like $50 million, you know, which is just asinine because, you know, you basically get that much in revenue sharing. And um, so they're not even really paying any of, of their own money or putting any of their own money up. And yeah. inst- and they could have Garrett Cole and just gone and signed someone. You know, they could have signed Mike, Mike Moustakis for you know, another 15 million a year, maybe even less than that, the way things are going. And, um, and they just won't do it. And it, it really does feel like, you know, I've, I've tried to be fair about this, but I just can't anymore. Like, it just really feels like the owners are, are the ones I'm going to have to end up pinning this on. I, you know, I've, I just can't really see it any other way. There've been some unreasonable, you know, agents do what agents do. And there've been some unreasonable suggestions for what a free agent might get. But, um, you know, teams can't proceed in you know, ownership in general, can't proceed with this, you know, we're just in it to make a profit. We're just running a business here. Um, if you, if you're an owner and you don't show any kind of desire to win and to put you know put yourself forward when your team is a player or two away, um, you just don't have any business in the sport anymore. You know you've got a license to print money, um, yeah. owning an MLB franchise, and yeah, it's just it's pretty sickening to see how this is going at the moment. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing. There's that fine line, right? I think for ownership and I don't I don't want to be one to jump to the defense of billionaire franchise owners because I think a lot of the decisions come from a different level in, in organizations where they're like please give me money for these things and <laughs> unless you're Jeffrey Loria I don't think a lot of the owners are going to be like no I won't give you another 4 million dollars I need to buy gold toothpicks <laughs> but like or really ugly statues I I I think there is a mentality of, of right now a, a shift towards younger um, prospect, like yeah, mining and that idea that like they're building for the future. And I think a lot of teams are are kind of hurting themselves in the now with the idea that they can be something super tremendous in two or three years. And the problem with that is that you end up with. 10 teams out of 30 who are like, no, we'll just let it go for now um, because we think we can be great soon. And it's really tough for me because I do believe that teams need to do, they can't just sell, sell, sell to get the good parts, right? You can't, unless you know you're going to compete for real, for real, you can't sell off your prospects and you can't go all in over a hundred million. You got to be careful, but you're right. I think you still have to run it 
not just like a business, but also to understand that there are, you're not going to make any money unless you bring fans to the park and fans don't want to see, you know, two 40 year olds and, you know, 38, 20 year olds, um, giving you the most boring season of baseball with 110 losses, right? You're not, you're not talking about anybody we know, are you? No. (laughs) I mean, it's just, just, it happens to be an example I know very well. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to see it again. Yep. For sure. And and I have, I have told, I have, I've said several times that I think the Tigers would have been smart to bring in a Curtis Granderson to bring in, Hell, I've lobbied for Phil Coke to be brought back just for the like the lols. Yeah, I've said they should have signed a Chiro and Bartolo Colon both just for fun. Like, yes, it would cost you money, but I think in the case of the Tigers over the Mariners, because the Mariners did just resign Ichiro, um, which and the, Mar- and the Mariners are trying to win. Yeah, oh, really. Um, but I think was a, a smart move from a marketing perspective. I'm going way off tangent now, but I, I feel like my train of thought is still coherent. I think Ichiro that, deserves it. You know, like why not just, yeah. you know, even if you only have him for a week, you know, just to kind of let him retire there, you know, like, man, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think that these teams need to, to toe that line where you can future proof and like build up your farm and, and create something, but you still have to put a competitive team on the field. You can't just like roll over and say, no, you know, 2018's done. Yeah. Like you still have to try. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, there has to be some kind of a social compact between ownership and the, and the fan, um, or, or this just isn't going to work, you know, long term. And yeah, there yeah, isn't really an argument that trust has to be there. Yeah. Cause you put, you know, to take the pirates as an example, you put, you know, you put those fans in a really tough spot, you know, like fans are loyal. Um, and that's, and that kind of loyalty is something that's, you know, totally illogical, but is, is kind of a treasured part of, of being a sports fan, you know, that this is, this is my team or this is my city or these are my guys. And when your owner is, you know, actively, you know, sabotaging your hopes and dreams for, for said team, you're just in an awful position because you don't really want to go root for someone else. And you also, you know, don't want to give money and support, you know, this, this person who's, you know, not willing to, to kind of go out on a limb. Um, I thought RJ had a, had something I hadn't really thought about last night, but about how the whole concept of, of tanking and rebuilding, um, you know, there, there's a logic to it, but there's also an excuse built into it that is going to allow, you know, mediocre general managers and front offices to, to kind of complain, you know, that they need more time and that, you know, and kind of set themselves up for this like five or six year plan where, oh, it's going to take, you know, we're building this thing from scratch, from the ground floor. We've got to, you know, we need all this time. And it's, you know, it's a built in excuse um, in a sense when, you know, I mean, even a team like the Tigers, you know, you could, um, you know, you could sign Lance Lynn. You could probably trade a prospect for, you know, a, a better outfielder and sign Neil Walker to play second base. And you're probably not going to win anything, but you would have a shot. You would have a vague shot. And I, I can't help wondering if teams haven't got almost too smart for their own good. You know, they've got too many guys who are who believe in certitude and who believe that the numbers really tell you truth about something in you know, a game where that is proven wrong every single year, um, you know, and, and we, we talk about estimates of win totals and things like that, like they're like they actually mean something rather than that. They're just forecasts and baseball just kind of kicks you in the teeth, you know, when you think like that all the time, you know, these guys all think, you know, 
oh, we're not trading our top prospects. We know what these guys are going to be. Um, mm, nope, I'm not. I'm not buying that. Smart teams like the Astros had Brady Aiken and Mark Apple, and both of those guys bombed out. Um, you know, teams are wrong about prospects all the time, and until it's it's proven that they've gotten smarter about it and really have a line on these guys, you know, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to buy that they've, they've really got it figured out and, and can really promise you that we're going to rebuild the right way with these guys. And it's going to work out. You know, you look at the white Sox. Yeah. They've got a lot of good prospects, but you know, they used to have a lot of really, really good baseball players. (laughs) I know. And that's the thing. Like we we all thought, Hey, those white Sox, they were, they looked so smart last season, just trading off expensive big pieces and that's what I find funny, too, is that we all applauded the White Sox for what they were doing. And we're in the Rays did something so similar. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Why are you ruining your team? And yes, the White Sox got substantially better prospect returns than what the Rays got in their recent moves. But like, it's funny to me how the, the mood has shifted from, oh, yeah, you're making really smart baseball decisions to, oh, you're tanking intentionally and all of your money should be taken away because you don't know how to run a team. Yeah, it's very confusing what the what the Rays are doing. I think is the thing because obviously they're not tanking. They're not, you know, they're not in a full rebuild. Or Chris Archer and Alex Colome and Kevin Kiermeyer, like these guys would all be traded. There's there's kind of this weird juggling that goes on because they're always trying to, you know, find a guy burn. who can produce the same amount for for less money somehow because everybody's got to cost you know four million a year. I I would burn Tropicana to the ground if they traded Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh, Kiermeyer! I thought you were going to say they... Archer. Well, I mean, Archer is a movable piece, but they got Kiermaier on such such a good extension that when I saw the yeah. terms of that deal when it first happened, I'm like, are you kidding me? Kiermaier must love Tampa Bay because why else would you not wait for free agency? Yeah. And how can like, you it was that? such a team-friendly deal. Like, and, and they do this all the time. You know, going all the way back to Carl Crawford, you know, they, they talk these guys into these extensions to play in that god-awful ballpark in a place where no one comes and where the owner never spends any money to try to win. I don't know how they do it. I don't understand also how Tony Clark isn't just down there outside their clubhouse with a sign that says no extensions, guys. Don't do it. Yeah, You're hurting the cause here. Mystifying. It really is. I, you know, I, mean, I, I love the Rays, but sometimes I, know, I, I scratch my head and go, what are you doing? And in my own way, like, you know, I've, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Rays, you know, probably because, you know, they've never really been a problem for us. They were good when we weren't and vice versa. Um, oh, so but, you kind of got to feel a little bit underdog. bad because, yeah. like, we, we broke Kevin Kiermeyer that one time. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. His ankle breakage totally happened at Comerica. Yeah, I don't so feel I bad about that, though. I feel a little bit guilty. <laughs> Like, ah, Kevin Kiermaier, you got a great life, you handsome bastard. <laughs> well, he'd have an even greater career if he could go through an entire season without getting hurt. I know. There's something about the, those elite uh, defensive center fielders. They just, uh, they're glutton for punishment. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But I noticed, you know, that I don't know if there was any, like, actual underlying, you know, conversations going on, but, you know, that the Twins were talking to Byron Buxton or at least interested in signing him to an extension. And all I could think of is like, man, Tony Clark, if you don't want to lose your job, you need to get down there and talk to your man, get him out of there. Cause you know, they, if they, if they want things to turn around and for free agency to kind of start to creep back toward what it used to be, um, heading toward the next CBA in a couple of years, um, he's, he's got to talk to these guys and say, listen, you cannot give, give away, you know, th- these kind of deals to teams anymore because it's, you know, it's just killing the market. 
Yeah. And it, it's an intriguing thing because I think it kind of touches on something that I, I wrote about in my Hardball Times article last month where teams, when they're smart, are going to latch on to those young guys and get those team-friendly extensions and like hold on to them as long as they can until their value is leached away. And then that's where you're going to lose those franchise players. You're not going to get those guys that are around until they're 40. You're going to get those guys that are around until they're, you know, 31 and their, their best years have literally been used. And then you swap them. You swap them because they have a name and there's somebody out there who's going to want that draw. And the team that had them all that time is like, cool, we got our use out of this. And it, it's a very interesting new system because it seems great for those young players at the time where they're like, yeah, okay, I've got like a couple million dollars more a year, but you're right. I think Tony Clark has to, and the, the, the MLBPA need to be really careful about that because teams have gotten wise to this like franchise star notion that like these guys lose value after a certain point. And if you can get them while they're young and keep them cheap for a couple years longer than, than you might need them, you're, you've done your job. Well done team. Yep, and you know, and I'm just like everybody, you know, if the Tigers, you know, can talk, you know, Candelario or Fulmer into signing a long-term extension for cheap, you know, I'm going to be happy about it because it's a smart thing to do if you can. But yeah, yeah. I think they've already missed their mark on on Castellanos. I think he's kind of figured it out. Yeah, it seems like Nick is willing to, to willing to bet on himself. Nick is yeah. a con- Nick is a confident man, wouldn't you say? Um, I, I would say so. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is, I'm going to I'm going to stay nice to Nick Castellanos on this week's podcast. Yep. Yep. And, um, and yeah, he's going to be, you know, one of the, one of the few guys that I think we can really, really enjoy this year. So, yep. We're going to have to, you're just going to have to put up with the, you know, the unbuttoned shirt and, you know, the, I'll, the gold I'll deal with it. And... I mean, he's had what, three home runs this spring training already. Yep. He's, he's offensively looking amazing and slugging a thousand Good hasn't, for him. Hasn't been a butcher in the outfield, so we'll see how yeah, that I goes. Mean, <laughs> he hasn't been great. There's been moments, especially when you have to see like <laughs> poor Dixon Machado running <laughs> like the entire <laughs> Straight length out. of right field to try and pick up a drop ball. But you know, it's we never expected him to be great there. Yeah. So and it's gonna know, take some time to even be whatever you know in the end he's going to be so passable i think is what we're hoping for yeah passable would would be fine that will, i yeah. can accept that just uh just mash those taters um on the yeah. plus side jacoby jones is hitting the hell out of the ball so far too which would oh that would be really nice i mean if jacoby jones could could look good all spring long and then you you just pair him with martin and run those guys out there in center field and send Victor Reyes packing for somebody else or whatever you got to do. That would be great. I would, I don't have much confidence that Jacoby Jones is really ever going to be a, a good hitter um, or even an average hitter, but um, he's showing some signs, and you do have to keep in mind that, you know, he basically got his lips sheared off against the Twins last May, and, um, you know, that'll put a guy off a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a bit of a lost, you know, a lost first half of the season there, um, just as he was kind of trying to get his feet under him. So there's still, you know, it's probably got to happen this year, but I'll, I'll retain a little bit of optimism that maybe Jacoby can figure it out enough to be, at least be, um, be a functional hitter in the major leagues. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see him be a success story. So 
I'd love to see any of these guys turn out to be a success story. Yeah, and somebody will, you know, that's the nature of the game. Somebody will have a big year. It'll probably be Derek Norris to aggravate us or something. But oh, uh, but somebody's, I know. Joke about that. I know, but somebody's <laughs> going to have a bad year and somebody's going to have a good year and it'll it'll all be shocking. So, yeah, we'll just hope... Uh, Hope the guys stay healthy the rest of the spring. That's that's really all we can all we can hope yeah. for and pray that baseball is uh, on our televisions again fairly soon because I need to see these games. It's really aggravating me having to, and I'm sure I'm aggravating people like Lynn Henning and Chris Brown and such by just pestering the crap out of whoever's watching the game. <laughs> like, what does a slider look like? Lynn, break it Tell, down. Was that a slider or is that a changeup? Yeah, just like okay, Brandon, settle down, nerd. Yeah. Meanwhile, today I was tweeting at poor Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times oh, yeah. going, ask them about bullpen cars. Will they build the bullpen further away in the new stadium so they can get a bullpen car? Yeah, yeah. The groundbreaking questions that I need to ask. I know. This is, and this is the kind of thing we're going we're, we're to have to have fun with because um, mm-hmm. we had a lot of brainstorming sessions today um, on the site about various methods for getting getting relievers onto the mound and out of the bullpen and um there were some fun ones there's there's some things i'd like to see they might slow the game down um to some degree you know i'm not sure i'm not sure how capable a tiger rider some of those guys are (laughs) but it would be cool to see them try (laughs) and my suggestion of having tigers literal tigers chase the bullpen uh, pitchers out onto the field to see how fast they could run might end up clearing some space on the 40 man roster faster than we want. Yep. Yep. You know, well, you'll find out who has speed and who's dogging it. You know, we're not, we're not playing around anymore. If you can't run, you can't get away from that tiger. We don't have any use for you. You can't play here anymore. Yeah. If you're mauled to death, I mean, you just couldn't cut it in the majors. Yep. You maybe, you know, maybe should have thought about that. Maybe should have uh, got that, you know, real realtor's license or something. <laughs> All right. We got, we got dark here. Yeah, exactly. Before, well, we always do eventually. Actually, uh, RJ impressed me by getting really dark at various points, too. I was like, well, we just, uh, I guess, I guess this is what happens. You know, this is the kind it's of right place. In. Yeah, this is the place we're in until the season starts. So we had, uh, we had two questions um, from, from listeners on Twitter. Um, Steve Florian asked, how long do I think it will take before Mike Gerber is in center field? And that is an interesting question, and it kind of goes back to whether or not Jacoby Jones can do enough this year to look like he can he can stick out there, because he's probably in Mike Gerber's way. Um, but I think everyone would, would recognize that Mike Gerber is a much, much better bet to make it in the major leagues at some level, um, even as a, you know, kind of a fourth outfielder or a platoon player. So I'm gonna say that Jacoby Jones isn't gonna make the team um, coming out of spring training. He's probably gonna probably gonna be a backup, and I don't think it'll be that long uh, before you see Mike Gerber on the major league roster because I I honestly have no faith in Victor Reyes, and I have no idea why the Tigers you know thought that was the move to make with their um, their number one overall Rule Five draft pick. So just to just to throw my two cents on that one, yeah, I think Mike Gerber will probably get some some time, maybe not necessarily in center field, but I don't think it'll be all that long before you start to see him at the major league level. I think the coaches love him. Um, he's a guardy. He's you know he's like Guardy's dream player. Um, he's a guy who does everything right, does all the little things really well, and you know kind of uses all that to overcome you know modest modest athletic gifts rather than you know kind of standout athletic gifts. So. We'll take a shot with that one. And then Dan Hogan also wanted to know, um, and this is this might be too much. <laughs> this is a this is a deep question. Dan Hogan goes this way, but how does the team balance development for the younger players versus the need um 
and the need to develop guys versus the need to have guys like Fares, Liriano, Castellanos, and such as potential trade bait. How do you feel about that one? Oh, Lord. Let me unpack it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's import to, to having some of these guys as trade bait. I'm just really skeptical that we really have anybody who's going to be great think, trade bait beyond no. like green, you know, and Fulmer maybe. I think the guys we have, yeah, you're right. I think like with guys like maybe Norris and Fulmer, you maybe have something, but I still hate the idea of trading Fulmer unless you get something super substantial in return. And I don't think any team's going to give up what Alavilo wants. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of the, the guys they brought on, like, like Liriano and fears, maybe if they have amazing seasons are guys, you definitely flip at the, at the break, like hundred percent. If you get an offer, send them on their merry way. If they've broken up, broken up, <laughs> broken out, <laughs> broken out would, to some degree. We, we would break up with them. <laughs> I totally did that intentionally. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that you want to trade any of your, your prospect guys. Cause that defeats the purpose. What are you trading them for? More prospects. Yeah. So I don't see the point of trading guys like Stewart or Rogers or, or any of those, like you keep them, like, especially if they're looking good yeah. and yeah. And I say, you know, I, I, I think, the part of me thinks that they should bring on guys now that they could use in that exact situation as trade bait later. Like we were talking about, like pay cheap, get somebody good that you know you can flip. Um, I don't know. Yeah, do it, it just yeah, it just feels like you have to go kind of big to really get anybody. Um, the way the markets looked the last year, who's who's really going to bring back much of a prospect? You know, I mean, we just we just they just gave away Hyra Laborte for nothing. Um, and you know is. I don't. I really think the odds that Mike Ferris or Francisco Liriano brings back more than just another kind of wild hard thrower um, is, you know, really unlikely. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Shane Green is your is your your key trade chip, and yeah, I mean, we'll see about Fulmer, and I don't know, maybe um, Castellanos since he apparently turned down an extension. That's that's a possibility. But I really, you know, you need it, it, the balance that has to be struck isn't so much about I think who who is going to be worth you know trading and whatnot, or about the young players and whether or not they've got enough time. Um, it's it's the trick is to make sure that you're you're emphasizing the younger players who might be valuable, like Boyd, like Norris, and maybe um, you know guys at the upper pitchers at the upper level in the minor leagues like Buck Farmer. Um, even, you know, and, you know, Buck Farmer's not going to be super valuable either, but you do want to try to get the most out of those guys that you can because there's still a chance that they could become something and there's still a mm-hmm. chance that Ryan Carpenter could. And having guys like Liriano and Fares in the way can kind of, you know, can kind of stifle some of that development. Um, and I think Leonis Martin might be another guy who I like having because he's going to help your pitching staff and make them look better by running down a lot of deep fly balls for you. Um, and it doesn't really matter that he can't hit because we're not going to win that much anyway. But at the end, like what good does Leonis Martin really, really give you after the trade deadline? And I, I think by that point in the season, you're going to see, that's why I think like Gerber will be up because at a certain point, like Mike Gerber's, I think 26, um, you can't keep these guys in the minor leagues forever. Um, guys get stale. Um, you know, yeah. they, they aren't challenged and, and that's really bad for them. Um, I'd like to see the Tigers be kind of aggressive. You know, I'd like to see Dawa Lugo up this year. 
Um, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Franklin Perez or Bo Burrows up this year if they have good seasons and can come up for a cup of coffee. I, I really believe in, in kind of promoting those guys and rewarding them and, and kind of giving them those little tastes to yeah, kind of getting, keep them hungry. Yeah, letting them test the water, absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, I, you know, and at the same time, you do have to have someone who can pitch innings. You know, you need your Liriano, you need your Ferrer so that you have some guys around who can at least be steady for you and who you also don't, and this is this sounds harsh, but you don't have to care particularly if they get injured. Um, you can kind of lean on, on guys like that because they're later on in their career anyway. And, you know, at, at a certain point, guys like that can, can kind of fill those innings rather than you putting young players who need a little bit more protection in bad situations. Yeah. So to kind of wrap that all up, um, I mean, I, they, they really need to emphasize development for the younger players because I really don't think that the veteran guys that they got really have much chance of being valuable enough to bother with. Um, at the end of the day, I really think they're just kind of, you know, they're there to eat innings. Maybe Mike Fairs, you know, is worth a little bit. Uh, maybe Francisco Liriano, if he's in the bullpen and doing well, you can get yourself, you know, another one of your average 45, you know, future, well, he's not an average prospect, but another 45 future value prospect, which are a dime a dozen. There's probably 300 of them or 250 of them behind the really good prospects in the game. So, you know, you're just getting another body basically. And I don't think you're going to do too much better than that. So, no. so that's probably how it's going to go. But um, yeah, and I think we'll wrap it up there. I mean, I don't know. Do you have anything else you wanted to kind of promote or push? Any Anything you've seen interesting in the last couple of days? Uh, or, no. I figured we're like an hour, we're an hour deep and, you know, I figured. Nobody's even listening at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. No. Um, no. <laughs> yeah just uh come on baseball and oh, come on um, spring we didn't talk about it but mike palfrey retired oh that's it was right. up on the site today we didn't mention it yet so that's a small thing um yeah i mean nah, nobody's crying uh but he did move on to coach baseball so he'll be coaching some university baseball and i think that was i, I mentioned it in my article about his retirement that is kind of like a perfect niche for him is that like mentorship and leadership role because he was always one of those really nice evenly keeled guys like a really good uh clubhouse guy to have around like even though he might have been terrible we talked about his terribleness a little earlier i think i referred to him as aggressively mediocre in our (laughs) chat today um it's that you know he he was one of those guys that would never like throw somebody under the bus for a bad game that he had and like he really knew how to like work that that you know team mentality so like just a good dude in general yeah and really and mentally think, mentally tough like super absolutely. tough guy i mean i you know just watching him out there just sweating with runners on base constantly like as frustrating as it was but there was kind of a bizarre theater about it that i think really did kind of endear him to a lot of people even though you know he's not really our guy he's more of a twins guy um you know he's been at a few other places but guy, Mets, he was a Mets. he was with the Mets for seven years yeah uh, so yeah, Mets twins were really his big, big markets. Um, he was with the Tigers for a whopping year and then they paid him to play somewhere else. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Like, I, I mean, and I can't help, you know, I can't help being still somewhat frustrated with him, but it really didn't go much different than we had, you know, right to expect. It went a little bit worse, but it was never going to be that much better either. So no hard feelings. Um, I think we all, yeah, you know, we all wish Mike Pelfrey well. He's a very yeah. admirable dude, and we hope everything goes well for him in the future. 
Yeah, I mean, the comments on the article don't seem to be like, oh, fuck that guy, which is nice, right? Like, it's like, he was bad, but I don't hate him, which is really the best you can ask for in life of your retirement. Yep, and that's why, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, we tend to have a pretty darn good readership at Bless You Boys. Um, You know, like, if you go on Facebook comments somewhere, you'll probably see a lot of harsh harsh words about Mike Pelfrey, but... You know, I think by and large, people appreciated that, you know, he, he gave everything he had and there just wasn't that much left by the time we got him. So yeah. that's the way it goes. So, all right. So we're going to wrap it up. We'll be back next Tuesday with our normal edition. Um, I don't know if we'll... Technically next Wednesday. I think we publish these on Wednesday, don't we? Yeah, that's true. I always say Tuesday. But the yeah, secret it'll be is out. We record on Tuesday. Assuming I don't do anything bizarre as far as recording goes. Yeah, you don't accidentally delete an entire podcast. Yeah, let's not do that again. Oh, my God. That was the worst. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you know, we mentioned the the Patreon thing earlier. Um, Check that out. And if you have any ideas for it, um, float them to us. And as always, you can follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. You can follow me at Fiscadoro74. And we will see you next week. Ashley, have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.